Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted, in fact. Parenting during the year 2020 has been so much more intense than usual. Keeping my kids entertained and educated during lockdown, as well as trying to monitor their mental health and deal with their anxieties and fears, was enough of a task in and of itself. But I also had to work, I had other family to think about, and I was just trying to keep on top of the everyday things that didn't stop, like laundry, cleaning, and meals that needed to be cooked. If you're wondering where I managed to fit my own health and well-being into all of that, so am I. I didn't do a very good job and I'm feeling the results of that now as we enter the final few weeks of this year that has lasted a lifetime. But even before COVID hit, 64% of black women we surveyed said that as mothers, they just didn't have enough time to look after their mental well-being and physical health. 64%? Honestly, this motherhood thing is just a lot. Welcome to episode 10 of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide the parenting podcast that looks at modern motherhood through the lens of black women in Britain. My name's Jendela Benson and I'm head of editorial at Black Ballad and on today's episode we're talking about losing and finding yourself once again. I'm Kaleshi Okafor, I'm an actor, director, writer and a podcaster and I have my dance fitness studio called Kalechnikov Studio. I didn't have any kind of preconceived ideas about motherhood. I don't think because I feel like the environment that I was growing up in, I already felt like I was taking care of so many people. So I was actually just looking forward to when will I live on my own? I'm going to be a millionaire by this age. Like I remember writing emails to myself <laughs> that you're going to be a millionaire by this age and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And when I look at that list, nowhere really had I factored in motherhood I kind of expected it at some point because that's how you're brought up especially in a Nigerian household like why are you cleaning that way you're going to be someone's mother you're going to be someone's wife one day why are you doing that so you expect it but I did it it wasn't something that I spent a lot of time thinking about because I just wanted my own space 
There's a running joke across the African diaspora about the expectation that is placed on older daughters in a family to shoulder some of the parenting burden. I guess it's not really a joke. It's a concern and reality that we, as black folks always seem to do, have turned into amusing memes, quips and commentary around the family dynamics in the households we grew up in. You could assume the positions that you're kind of given in the family, like my therapist, I think, calls it parentified children where you behave like a parent. So you can go into those situations feeling like I already know what I'm meant to do in this situation. I already, you know, I already know how to run this. But actually, that's coming from a place of wounding and a lack of childhood. So even in those situations, even if you consciously think that, you know, what I've got this on lock, you don't know what feelings will come up later on whereas I sort of felt like yes I understand what goes into it but my fear was I don't want to have a child that has to go through anything that I went through who would have felt like unloved or who would have felt an undue amount of responsibility I wouldn't want that so I knew that I had to kind of do that kind of excavation of Mm. myself to prepare myself for this journey. So it wasn't working from a place of hyperfunctionality and trauma, but working from a place of space and love and vulnerability. And that takes a lot of work and it's still taking a lot of work because I feel like children bring up parts of you that are wounded. Like they, they bring your wounds mm-hmm. to the surface and it's either you choose to heal them at that point or you just continue being hurt and you continue that cycle. Now, before we even begin to talk about healing generational wounds and unlearning the processes of our childhood and transforming into wholer and healthier versions of ourselves, there's pregnancy to deal with. Some people absolutely love it and others of us are far less convinced. I know that people say, oh, I love pregnancy. I was glowing and I loved it. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy pregnancy. It wasn't, it wasn't my fave. It wasn't my fave. Five out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Would not recommend. (laughs) Would not recommend. (laughs) If they could just do that thing where the stork could just deliver to the baby, that would be wonderful. (laughs) But I understand like the process and I understand why I needed to go through that, I guess, that specific journey as well. But I didn't enjoy it because it brought up so many, again, hurts and wounds and things to the surface. It reminded me of the ways that, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm healing. But then we, then again, we know that healing isn't linear. But you think to yourself, I'm healing. The ways that I would objectify my body as somebody who suffered abuse as a child and things like that, like sexual abuse, you kind of disconnect from self. You do all of these things and you just survive. You just go into survival mode forever. And then the forever stops. And then, you know, you go through this process of coming back to yourself. And then you say, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. I've come back to myself and, you know, I'm healing and whatever else. And what pregnancy did for me was remind me of the ways that I've linked my worth to my physical appearance and also the control being taken away from me again and being reminded of the lack of control I had during that period in my childhood. So it was a very traumatic experience in that I had no control over something that was changing my life forever because that's literally what trauma means. We have negative connotations when it comes to the term trauma, but literally what it means is an event outside of your control that changes you forever that can be good or you know bad or however you want to perceive it and for me in this 
respect. I don't think it was good or bad. It felt horrible at the time, but it needed to happen for me to break the bonds that I had with superficial notions of myself or who I perceived myself to be, almost cracking me open to allow me to then be a mother, to be a mother, a true mother in that way. Mm. Yeah, I I like the fact that you brought up the word trauma because that's kind of how I describe even so obviously a lot of people understand childbirth as trauma but I understand pregnancy as Mm. trauma like what it does to your butt like when you look I remember someone sent me the little video and it shows how the baby grows and where your organs literally (laughs) sitting there like eight months pregnant like what the actual flip is going (laughs) like why is this child just like ransacking my body like just Mm. literally just made home kicking his feet up into my ribs and just chilling on my bladder like and I think that that is trauma. And I think pregnancy is trauma, even just when you think about it stretching out your skin. And I mean, I've still got issues with my with the way that my belly looks and my body looks in different ways. But again, it's like you're meant to be like, oh, people are like, oh, you're glowing. And it's like, maybe because that's this nice sheen of sweat because I'm carrying <laughs> as a child and there's like double the amount of blood flowing through my body and it's the middle of summer. Do you get what I mean? And it's mm. like, but it's like, is actually trauma like you said just a thing outside of yourself that kind of changes everything that's just what it does type that's thing. what so it does point. and you and there's no control that's it it's the, the main thing is that the no control because usually things I mean maybe we think that we have control because my therapist always talks about the illusion that we have of control when we can't actually control anything but pregnancy I felt for me reminded me or showed me just how little control I had over my own body, you'd think that, you know, from all the things we say about autonomy of the body and things like that, mm. but this being is growing and you've said that you're going to go along with this process and then you're just seeing little things like a smell can set you off. You know, you're handling heat differently. And like you said, like people say, oh, you're glowing. You look wonderful. Oh, your bump is this. It's this size. It's that size. And you're just thinking, everyone piss off. Go away. <laughs> I don't need your commentary because I just wants to just get through this with my mental state intact so that felt like a lot but it was a it was a learning it was almost like an initiation that I needed to go through in order to understand myself better and like you said there are still issues that I have around my tummy and you know that area and that how the skin stretches and things like that and I know that other people have their ways of talking to themselves and they say oh but this barely grew a child and it and I was like that is wonderful information wonderful for you yeah great news beautiful gowns but I still need to find a way that's personal to me to work through this process mm. and to understand the changing body and that also means divorcing the images that are given to us through the media and society in general because you'll watch them films and then the woman gives birth and then she's at home flat tummy like literally the next day and you're like um how how yeah yeah that that sold me a dream boy because I carried on looking pregnant for a good while (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) how many of us after childbirth approach our healing process holistically not just the physical impacts of childbirth you know keeping wounds clean waiting for stitches to dissolve etc but how many of us make space for our mental and emotional recovery? I know I certainly didn't. Sure, I found ways to try and make time for myself, but six years on from the moment I first got that positive pregnancy test, 
I know there's work to be done to address my well-being and recovery in a more holistic way. I asked Kelechi about where she is on her journey. My healing process has been, I'm still on it, you know, I'm still on it. Some days are great and some days I'm, you know, it, it just feels like you're in one spot, you know, and I think that the most important thing is just being honest with myself and truthful with myself about that process. Running is something I wanted to get back to straight away because I really enjoy running. So I really wanted to kind of get back to that. And I did small distances, like short distances at first. And then it just built up and I set myself the goal of eventually being able to just run half a marathon, like 20 kilometers or 13 miles and get back to there. And I haven't done that since uh, I'd say like 2012 or something. So I've just been running like small distances, not up to that since, well, in between that time. So I said, well, that's what I'm going to do for myself. Then I just want to do that because when I run, I go into a space that is just me in my world. And I find that healing. I think when you become a mother, so much of you has to go out out you're you're expending a lot of emotional physical mental energy running is my space where I almost take it back in I go outside to receive it back and I love running by water so I plan my roots around the bridges so I'm by the water and I think that you know especially someone that's really really interested in Yoruba cosmology I believe that you know the mother energy is around that river area so just being mothered by the water in some, well not necessarily dusty river 10 <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but you know just that energy of water and it moving it really calms me so I, I love doing that that's been part of my healing as well as therapy I started with my therapist where after I had my miscarriage for my first pregnancy and I just stayed with her and I'm glad that I just stayed with her because then the this pregnancy happened and she, she was able to talk with me, like talk me through how to welcome and embrace a pregnancy after you've had a pregnancy loss and what that looks like and how you continue to honor that pregnancy while moving into a new space because there was the guilt there as well mm-hmm. that would come up at times. So yeah, it's, it's a process. It's a big, big process that I'm undergoing, but therapy and running has really helped me to kind of stay grounded as well as prayer because some days, and I'm sure you felt this, there's just the irrational, some might call it irritability that you feel about everything because there's just so much responsibility. And that prayer to just forgive yourself of feeling irritated and giving yourself space to feel irritated and, you know, keep moving. When we asked women in the Black Ballad Motherhood survey how they felt about their bodies after childbirth, 45% of them said they felt unhappy with their body, while 16% said they felt indifferent. I personally waver between unhappy and indifferent. I feel indifferent when I don't think about my body for too long, but if I do, I can easily slip into unhappiness. After two pregnancies and two small kids, one of whom still feels no way about slipping a chubby hand into my cleavage no matter the time or the place, I still don't feel like I've got my body back and I'm not talking about the snapback, a term that actually makes me want to physically vomit and I'm not talking about the idea of fitting back into jeans I wore when I was 21 
And here's a professional tip. Throw all your old clothes away. What I mean is, I don't feel like my body is mine. I've still got these weird postpartum symptoms that I'm dealing with. I can't seem to find the time to get back into yoga. And while all my clothes do fit me, I just don't like how they look, how I look in them. I just want to feel grounded in my body again. Grounded enough that I make time for yoga because I want to honour this body that I'm living in and not because I'm trying to change it to be something that I'll hopefully like once again. While I've sat inhaling tubes of Jaffa cakes, I've watched Kelechi rebuild her strength and flexibility postpartum while also inverting herself into awe-inspiring shapes on the pole. So I thought I'd ask her what tips she has for those of us, aka me, who want to have a healthy approach to fitness, exercise and our bodies. Yeah, I would say like my number one tip is gratitude. Gratitude for a number of reasons, but I will keep it succinct. Gratitude if someone's looking to work on their flexibility, for instance, because gratitude opens up that space of being able to like receive because there isn't that tension. Because when we become tense and not grateful about our situation or something about our situation, we become inflexible and then we're defeating the purpose of what we're actually trying to do. And gratitude as a disciplinary method of moving through life, I think is important. We're not dismissing all the nonsense that's happening around us. We're very much aware that we're black women. We're very much aware that we're black mothers. That hasn't escaped us. And we know the specific violences that come our way. Even within the midst of all of that, there is gratitude to be found. Like there is gratitude for communion and the fact that we can meet as black women and have these conversations. And then Black Ballad has all these other black women as well that can be part of these conversations. So there's gratitude in sisterhood in that respect as well. And just general things in life. But when I look at gratitude in terms of my body, yes, as you know, I made the joke earlier of like, oh, this body carried, but your body literally created a human, more than one for some people. You know, you, you've you got two, you know, like, <laughs> so you're like your body literally created a human. That is God stuff. Like God moves through you. I would be, I'm so grateful that God can move through me because I don't see how anyone can experience pregnancy and childbirth and not think about how God is real or you know or the the, or the amazingness of creation and then you're able to look at other aspects of nature trees you know like I mentioned rivers earlier like you're able to look at other aspects of nature and just see the divinity in everything and thus the divinity in yourself because you also from the creator got given the power to create So I just think that that is just something to be really, really grateful for and sending that energy on a vibrational level as well. Sending that energy of gratitude inwards towards yourself allows, I feel, for yourselves to regenerate in a way that's optimal for you and your growth and your health. If all you're sending is like, oh, I can't stand this part of my body. Oh, when is this going to change? Oh, I'm not just going to bother. That energy stays in. And we know from you know book like the body keeps the score and things like that like trauma finds crevices and calcifies within Mm. us and so there is a physical representation for the spiritual and the emotional things that we go through so using gratitude almost as a recalibration of those energies allows for our body to have a great foundation 
for us to then take on whatever physical activity, you know, we decide that we want to take on to help us as we heal the physical body. But the basis has to first be a cognitive choice to be grateful. Yeah, that just changes the whole perspective when you think about then how you, the attitude that you have towards yourself. Mm. I need to change myself because I'm not happy. It's like, I'm just thinking out loud for myself. It's like, yeah, like I'm grateful for what this body has and I'm going to honour it by not eating the tube of Jaffa cakes. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like that's it. That's the honouring. That's the beautiful word. Like gratitude allows us to honour what is like rather than just chasing or saying that you know I'm going to be happy when my body my waist is back to this or I'm able to like you know like you said oh I can fit into these jeans that I wore when I was 21 we put the happiness somewhere else so Mm -hmm. it allows us to be unhappy with the now whereas gratitude and honoring what we have now means that we make better choices as well like I'm not going to put myself on some mad diet because of what and for who because anyone Mm -hmm. that requires that of me it's not someone that should be in my sphere anyway and yeah. so it's, it's all of those things having that grateful standpoint honoring yourself in that way for all that you've done and all that you've been through means that we're choosing things and choosing environments that will also honor us and taking it at our pace because then what happens is we look at social media oh that person's tummy went flat in two weeks or two days after this and that that's none mm-hmm. of my business like I I wasn't created with them that's none of my business and good on them Everyone has a path to follow. So I'm always very careful when, for instance, like people send me DMs on Instagram and they say, oh, you know, I'm so jealous. Like, how did you get back to this so quickly? You know, I had my child, I don't know, seven years ago and I haven't done this and I haven't done that. And I'm thinking to myself, because we're on different paths, there's a journey that you're on and I'm on a different journey. Mm-hmm. And if, if this is something that you want, go for it but don't base it on what I'm doing because you don't even know my life like you don't know what happens once I switch that camera off imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
So this is as good a place as ever to talk about boundaries. Perhaps one of the things I've struggled the most with on my parenting journey. Don't you think it's funny how as soon as you become a parent, all of a sudden everyone else becomes the expert on how to raise your children? There is nothing as infuriating as unsolicited advice from an auntie whose last pregnancy was 38 years ago. But they are absolutely, positively sure that you, the conscientious parent who stays up all night googling the mildest symptoms in your little baby, is doing everything completely wrong. Some people see this as harmless and well-intentioned. But as a new mother whose hormones are all over the place and has a million things to deal with, this unwanted intrusion into your space, either physically, emotionally or mentally, can really mess with your vibe. And I'm a big believer in the fact that children very easily pick up on the emotional temperature of their parents. I think that's right. I think when mothers don't have boundaries, they become so depleted and then that depletion can oftentimes run into resentment and then all you've got is a mother that keeps reminding you of I gave up so much for you you know Mm. I was meant to be part of the Dallas Cowgirls I don't know but they start telling you like all of the things that they gave up for you and then that Mm. what does that do to a person like basically make you feel like I ruined your did I ruin your life I mean if you wanted to go and do all of these things nobody begged you to have me you know so in order to avoid having those things happen it is important that there are boundaries in place. So there's always where we begin and where other people start. And Mm. that includes children as well. And I'm still breastfeeding at the moment. And some days I'm just, if I'm doing something and my partner's like, oh, oh, he wants the milk. He also eats lots of other food. He can go (laughs) and eat other food because right now I need to chill and do, or Mm. I need to chill and or do other things. You'll both be fine. Go and remove yourselves right now. And and that is also part, and I feel like that is also part of being a mother to myself as well. Because rushing to go and fix everything and do everything for everybody else, at the end of the day, I'll now look at it and say, "Oh, so I didn't actually do anything that I wanted to do today. I didn't actually get that, you know, hour to have a nap or chill. I didn't finish off my writing that I wanted to get done today because." of all these other things that I'm doing. So am I now going to displace that energy that I feel and blame my partner or blame the child? No, I need to have that accountability and the voice to say, no, 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 I'm doing this right now. And you can go and do what you're doing. It comes back to what you were saying about honouring yourself. Nobody's going to come and honour us for us. Nobody's going to come and mother us for us, not even our mothers, not really anymore. So we have to really step up for ourselves and say, this is what I need right now. And if other people who have bought into the myth of mother want to say, oh my God, what do you mean? You don't want to give your every waking moment to this thing. That's what they need to unlearn. That's got nothing to do with us. Like we are breaking the myth of mother. We are saying that, no, no, no. What you have been taught throughout, you know, the centuries that this mother is all giving, you know, ever just a subservient, ever hopeful always doing these things now that's that's not for me that's not for me I'm someone that needs my space and I like my space I like my alone time that's where I get the chance to realign myself so boundaries at home boundaries when it comes to like your physical body with what you're doing your emotional body and when it comes to people on the outside 
I'm very, very big on writing, no advice needed, no advice necessary, because for some reason, people can't help themselves. It's they, you post something and off they go wanting to give advice. And I understand that for some people, it's, for them, it's, they're trying to help. But it's also understanding when people have asked for help and when they haven't mm. asked for help. So I do find even sometimes when I say it, no advice necessary, people are getting more slick in how they write it. They'll write it as if they're not giving advice and they're just talking about what they did. But then they'll be putting links and they'll be putting bits. So I look at them and I'm like, OK, you're, you're fancy. Watch when I block you. Watch when I block you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, yeah, so boundaries are needed there. Boundaries are needed with, uh, you know, parents and elders because they always want to tell you something. I remember when I went to the GP when I first had my son and he was crying a little bit. I know why he was crying, but this older lady was sitting next to me. I think she was Nigerian. Well, she was, yeah, most, more than likely Nigerian. She was sitting next to me. She was like, just give him breast. Just give him breast. Uh-huh. And I was just like, do you know if I'm breastfeeding? Do you know if I can breastfeed? Why aren't you inserting yourself into something that does not concern you? So I looked at her and I said, no and then I carried on doing what I'm doing she was shocked but it needed to be done it was just a simple no because Mm. whoever you've mothered you've done what you're doing over there you don't know me I don't know you from anywhere I'm doing what I'm you know what I'm doing over here so boundaries wherever I can enforce them is what I go into and I mute people sometimes if they're friends I just mute them don't respond to their text messages if it feels like they're giving advice that nobody asked for but people know me better than that now I would say like a lot of people know me better than to be offering advice now but it's important to set these boundaries because otherwise you take on people's energy and that is the worst thing you're sitting there apprehensive anxious sometimes just feeling so sad and you don't know where the feelings have come from but they're not yours it's somebody else's emotions that's transferred onto you because you've allowed them into that space whether it's your mental space or your physical space to bring their um, energy that they haven't been able to work through I remember when I announced the pregnancy and the first few like few messages that I got through were from people going oh my god congratulations get ready to never sleep again Mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking why would you say that to somebody we all process these things differently you don't know how anxious that person already is and you've just gone and told them that they'll never ever sleep again which is actually a lie you know <laughs> so yeah but, you know but everyone says these things to almost heighten the experience and oh I've been through the wars as a mother ah yeah and for some people it's just not like that There's this myth of martyrdom when it comes to being a mother. Like, if you've not martyred yourself for your children, then you're not doing it properly. Of course, motherhood comes with some forms of sacrifices, okay? That's just a fact. But so many of us have been socialised into thinking that motherhood means sufferation and constant self-flagellation. Oftentimes, this can be passed down from older generations of women who seem to think, Well, it was hard for me, so it must be hard for you too. What's that saying? Misery loves company. And with the popularity of social media and the growth of influencer culture, many of us are finding new meanings of misery as we compare our lives to perfected squares of mummy influencers. Many of us follow them because they have something that we want. 
whether it's an aesthetic, a lifestyle, or the wealth that exudes from their gifted and sponsored lives. And then when we find that they don't live up to the idealized picture that we place on them, we tear them apart in the comment section. (laughs) What the heck is that about? As I discover more things, as I'm learning more things and experiencing more things, naturally I speak on them, but I do not want to be this voice for mothers or for motherhood because everybody has their own voice and let us all use our voices because we all have different experiences. And the same way blackness is not a monolith, black womanhood is not a monolith, black motherhood is therefore not monolithic in nature either. So we are all going to experience it in very, very different ways. And my way is unique to me. And so I share that. But when you find that it throws people off because it's like, oh, well, you should present yourself in an apron holding a cake. That might work for somebody else, but I like to listen to dance hall and brock out and stretch and like do do what I'm doing what works for me. Like we should all do what works for ourselves. But I think when we've been socialized into a system that needs us to work from a place of lack and scarcity mm. always, it means that we're always looking outside of ourselves for the next thing that will give us fulfillment. But it's an insatiable thing because it's fueled by ego and ego can never be satiated. And mm-hmm. so when you look at, like you said, martyrdom and we look at the myth around martyrdom and the myth around motherhood and how everything works together, we're placed in a specific position where we should always be looking outside of ourselves for validation. Mm. and that's where the problem lies so you find then that a lot of mothers then do go towards the influences because it's like I'm being told by society everywhere I look that I'm not doing this right let me go and look at somebody who is Mm. but what you'll find is that they're not doing it right in inverted commas either so you start picking them apart because it's a way that you go about picking yourself apart and the way that you've been taught by society to move through you know everything so for us to really be able to get through all of this that is why I like to like do my flexibility bits and show some things and talk about some things because we have to break the lie we have to break that lie we have to tear the lie apart that says that all we are ever meant to do is be the vessel that fills or you know this kind of well that fills everybody else up in some way or it's not serving us because we need to be filled up too so yeah it's it's a weird environment and obviously because of white supremacist patriarchy what we're finding is that the people who want to rule that whole narrative when it comes to motherhood even tends to be white women and we don't even look at the historical nature of wet nurses and things like that and how black women brought about this framework that a lot of people are now using people are wearing their babies before you didn't want to wear your babies and you know non-white women have been doing that for centuries and we look down at them and call them savages so black women have been breastfeeding have been doing all of these things for centuries then you know we had colonization we had the transatlantic slave trade they were using their breast milk to feed your children and all of these things and here we are here we are now and you're saying, oh, breastfeed, oh, do this, wear your baby, oh, it's all so earthy and it's all so wonderful and natural, but you've played with people's minds for centuries to tell them that all of those things are not what is done. So for Black women specifically, for Black mothers specifically, there's a coming back to self that we're now finding, there is a coming back to ourselves spiritually that we're finding where we're reclaiming all of the things that we have done for centuries and are still done on the continent and we're taking them and we're saying that this is actually part of us 
and this is how we'll move forward henceforth. That also means that how we represent ourselves on social media has to be truthful to that in whatever way that takes shape. Kalechi dropped some truth in our conversation that I personally need to go and sit with for a little bit. You know, just let myself marinate. But before I do that, of course, I had to ask Kalechi, what helps her to survive and thrive the harder parts of the motherhood journey? I would say it's going to sound really random, but Animal Crossing. (laughs) Playing games on my phone has been a lifesaver. And that's no hyperbole. Like it's been a lifesaver. Being able to just play a game that has no sort of meaning to anything. It's not linked to anything to do with society. It's, I'm just in my campsite, okay? I'm just doing up my campsite. <laughs> and changing outfits and fishing. And it's necessary to have that space, that escapism. We need it. Because as Black mothers, we're already so rooted in this reality. We are aware, we are viscerally aware already of what is happening. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some form of escape, momentary escape, where we could just be something else, someone else. And I find that with playing games, like I I enjoy it. I'll just be on my phone and I'll be playing Animal Crossing and, and I'll just be doing that because that allows me to thrive. That gives me space to just do nothing that is of any real consequence and we actually need it as people to play and that play having no end really no no goal just play Mm. and and that allows us to thrive and that I think can help us in the dark moments because sometimes there are those shadow periods where we're having to work through things that come up whether it's our own or someone has placed it on us we're having to work through those things and having something I would say frivolous trivial to do it helps a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Black Bella Presents The Survival Guide. We are nearly at the end of this first season, so thanks for rocking with us so far. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and share this with a mum friend who needs to make space for herself today. This episode was written by me, Janzella Benson, and produced by Christina Moore of Don't Skip. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.